If you've struggled with stress, balance, or burnout, and simply feel discouraged or even defeated, and if you're ready to move from force to flow and enjoy ultimate Zen success in your career, health, or relationships, then the Zen Success Show is for you. Your host, Carissa Sims, is an entrepreneur, corporate consultant, best-selling author, meditation teacher, and healer who has found her own Zen success. Here's your host, Carissa Sims. Welcome to this week's episode of Zen Success. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Kate Somerset and a special guest. Kate Somerset is a pen name for the author of Mom, You Just Need to Get Laid. A community leader in the nonprofit world, Kate was an established presence in Texas. After her 24-year marriage ended, she decided to pick up stakes and take a chance on a second chapter in Manhattan. Her dating experiences prove there is always a surprise waiting to happen if you open up your mind and heart to the possibilities of love. Welcome, Kate. Thank you so much, Carissa. I'm delighted to be here today. Yes. And is there anyone else there with you? Do we have uh, any friends with you? As a matter of fact, the answer is yes, with an exclamation point. <laughs> My book, that, that it features 15 stories of dating in New York City, has 15 men in the book. And one of those men, Marcus, is with me today. I've never done an interview. Hello. On, yeah. <laughs> he's speaking to you now. <laughs> so I've never done an interview with one of the men in the book. And the first person that I would think to do this with is Marcus because he's great. And so I'm delighted that he was willing to do this today. That's amazing. I, and I'm so excited to talk with you both. And Kate's book is so fascinating and engaging. Everybody has to do the audio. I did the audio book and it's just like, it's like watching a show. I used to get together with my girlfriends for sex in the city. And that's what it's like. It's like, grab your popcorn, get ready for the ride of your life and have some fun when you hear her book or read it. So I just wanted to say that it's, it's amazing. Thank you very much. That's oh, you're a, welcome. Well, I'll have to tell you, Carissa, that the the Broadway actress who recorded the audio book is fabulous. She's made the book come alive for me. And we got to be great friends because she was so interested in each chapter's recording that after every one of them, she and I would talk on the phone late at night in New York. <laughs> you know, this is midnight. She's, she's texting me. I've just finished this chapter. Please check it. And by the way, did that really happen? And so yeah. we just had best time. And, and I love it. What is her name? Oh, yes, I can say her name is Laura Patinkin. Mm -hmm. It's the cousin, Mandy Patinkin, the actor. It's it's his first cousin. And she is a Broadway actress as well. Mandy Patinkin is well known to Broadway fans and television fans, you know, for the last 35 years. He's amazing. And so is she. Oh, that's great. And Marcus, would you like to introduce yourself? Uh, <laughs> Speechless. Than, uh, I'm not even sure what, what number chapter am I? Anyway, oh, I what like number seven, chapter? Well, he's, he's Marcus, the manager. He's right dead center in the middle of the book. 
Yeah. So like product number seven. Yeah. That's fine. So, uh, number seven. What? I love it. I love it. Number seven. Okay. I think I'm number seven, right? So yeah. So I am in the book and um, it's a, uh, it's a, it's a great read. It's a great book. And the chapter is uh, it's, it's, um, it's pretty interesting that when you read it, uh, to read, to, to look back at, at that time. It's pretty interesting. So it was fun. Oh, that's great. That's great. Well, I'd love to talk to you both about online dating. Do you feel like it's a viable option to meet and fall in love? Oh, that's a great question. So Marcus, you want to go first? It's, it is an option. Um, and, and there's a, uh, you know, obviously there's, Probably, I mean, I don't know the number of people that use online dating. It is the way uh, it is done today. There's very other, few, there's very other few options, I guess, the way to say it. Um, so it's just, uh, you know, it's just, it's just, it's become normal. Right where you first do it, it's it's different. There's a lot of mistrust out there. People don't really know. There's a lot of apprehension, like who who are these people? I don't want to put myself out there. I don't want to answer a lot of questions. Uh, when they meet, they're afraid to meet because they don't know who you are. So there's just a lot of stuff going on with online dating, um, and uh, but it's, it's becoming normal, I guess. Mm-hmm. And I think it's the way people it's the way people go these days. But Carissa, I I would say when I first started dating after my divorce, when I moved to New York. I got on five dating sites at the same time, which sounds absurd, but you know, when you are from Texas, you do things in a big way. And I carry that with <laughs> I love it. So, you know, go it's the phrase is, you know, go big or go home. Right. And so and that refers to our hairstyle as well as our clothing and everything else. But at any rate, the five sites were different. I found that there were different questions that were required of you when you applied to be on a particular site. And I always paid for the the subscriptions that I did on the sites that I was on. But my favorite, the one that I met Marcus on is called Bumble. And I don't okay. mind advertising yeah. for Bumble. Yeah, you can no talk about like why post. it's different or something. Yeah. It's, it's different because the woman makes the first move. And in other situations, you're you're in this sort of dance, this conversational dance with the person that you're meeting for the first time online before you ever meet in person. And for me, a good conversationalist is everything. And so when I can set the stage for that conversation and get the kind of responses back that tell me this person's interesting, then that's exciting to me. And that's what made Bumble far and away the standout. Of the people in the book that I met, I met of the 15 men, I met nine of them online and six of them in person. But Marcus is right. This is a much more efficient sort of way of the world, way to date now. It's a lot harder to meet people in person because of the way we live our lives. Also, back in the day, you know, when it when there were such a thing as arranged marriages hundred years ago, it, you met people because someone introduced you. You know, yeah. a friend, a family. Yeah, but that's still, and, it's still happening internationally, you know, like in, in certain cultures, exactly. that's just the way they do it. Yeah. So true. But in America, I think we are accustomed to, we, we now don't live very settled lives. There's 
uh, there's a lot of travel, a lot of moving. Uh, and I, I, it's when you're in a new community, as I was in New York, there was not much of a chance I was going to meet people in person. So online was a really great option for me. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's great. So so tell me about your experience with each other. So like when you so with Bumble, you had to reach out to Marcus, correct? And what attracted you about him? Well, the first thing that appealed to me about Marcus was that his pictures and he had five pictures posted on his profile. They were really good. And I know that sounds superficial. I don't mean it to be a lot of men that you encounter on online dating sites. Don't put any care at all into their photos. That goes both ways. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it goes for girls. Yeah. Feel free to chime in. (laughs) So, so for me, I, I'm all about that. What, the way we appear in person says something about how much we care about ourselves in, in daily life. And so I put a lot of effort in thinking about what images I wanted to portray. And Marcus had some really great ones. So I remember looking at one of the images. He was um, he had his daughter on his arm, walking her down the aisle for her wedding. And he was wearing a gray tux and just was a very dashing look. And it was a sun dappled afternoon. It looked like an afternoon to me anyway. And I learned later he was in California. He had just, he just moved to Texas. And so I, I was just intrigued. I want to know what the backstory was. And then he had a, he had a, an image of himself with this garden trellis behind him. And it was beautiful. And I thought, okay, where is he? What's his story? Uh-huh. So it was that he had thought a lot about what he wanted to say about himself through his images. So, and that's the thing too. So when on my side, you know, there's a lot of photos and things that are first attract you to that person. Yeah. And some of the photos, they're just not, you know, they're not, they're not, I'm not going to say they're not real, but they're not current. Right. Or, or they could be not and real. So, I mean, some people do that, right? They put up fake pictures. I'm just saying, I'm not saying that. I'm just like, yes. Yeah, oh, really you're being nice. Okay. You have yeah. to understand, like, if you're serious about, getting, you know, finding somebody and getting in a relationship, you want that person to be authentic and be real. And so, you know, Anne's, Anne's pictures were like that. Yeah. Got it. And so you reached out to Marcus and started having a conversation, but you knew he lived in Texas and you're like, oh, did you feel a sense of disappointment? Like you were missing out, like it wasn't going to work out? Well, there was there was a little more to that story, because when I first saw his image, I was sitting on an airplane and we were ta- I was taxiing down. We, we both were on airplanes, but on oh, my side, I was on an airplane cool. taxiing, uh, taxiing uh, to head to New York. I was, uh-huh. had been in Texas and, you know, these sites match you up geographically. So I was in Texas, so I was seeing Texas men and I saw his <laughs> yeah. image and I, and, I, and I said to him in my message, I know we are geographically challenged, but I just want you to know you have a great profile and I hope you find your girl. And then I took mm-hmm. off to New York. When I landed, Marcus had answered me and said, what a classy thing to do. If you ever come back to Texas, I love your message. What a classy thing to say. If you ever come back to Texas, you know where to find me. I'd love to have a drink with you. 
that's yeah. how it started. That is how it started. Yeah. yeah. And you know what? It's it's like I feel like what you said is like predicting the future. I hope you find the girl that you love. You know what I mean? That's really that's really profound. I, I love that. I thought it was ironic that I ironic, was yeah. That's I so was cool. landing in Dallas on yeah. the taxiway. Wow. You live here and she was on a plane leaving here. I just thought the irony behind that was pretty funny. It's and, it was, and also it's a little it bit magical too. You know, it's a little bit like, whoa, maybe it's meant to be. We're both on a plane at the same time, <laughs> you know? So I so I'm landing and I see a message from him that tells me that if you know you've got a new friend, if you ever come to Texas, let's have a drink. And so I answered him right back and we continued to text for the next hour, maybe a little bit longer, as I got my luggage at LaGuardia Airport in New York City and got in a taxi and still texting him. And he's still answering me. And this went on for the full hour. And then I get back to uh, my home in New York and I'm intrigued. I'm thinking, well, you know, maybe I should at some point when I go back to Texas meet him. Uh-huh. Right. Do you think that, Marcus? Yeah, I was hoping you would. Yeah. yeah. So that's, that's how it started. Oh, that's amazing. And, um, and did you guys ever meet and go on a date? Did you guys ever date? We did. Um, we, and I don't know if we'd call it, you know, looking back on it, I guess I think we'd call it dating. I would definitely have called it a date, uh, but yeah, so we had talked to each other for probably two months and then I was headed back to Texas. And so Marcus said, pick your favorite steakhouse and I'll take you there. Yeah. And so we, my plane had turbulence in getting me back on time to meet him for dinner. Yeah. And you'll get the full story in her book. The full story is in the book. That's exactly right. But, but what people wonder, many readers have said to me, gosh, I love that Marcus chapter. Oh, it's so sad. You didn't ever get to meet because the story that's recounted in the book is about this weather issue and plane being late and all of that. But we did get to meet, which is a wonderful kind of happy ending part. Um, And we, we went on, I'd say several dates before Marcus said the thing that made the most sense, which, which was, you know, you live in New York, I live here, we could have a fling, but both of us would just find it very difficult. And I'm, I don't want to put you in that position and I don't want to be in that position. Uh-huh. And so we should be friends. And that's what we've been for the last three years. Yeah. Did you move yeah. back to so, Texas or are you just there now? No, I'm just there. I'm actually here now for um, some meetings and Marcus is sitting with me here and isn't that amazing we just had our favorite meal which you know tell carissa what your favorite meal is yeah so we um yeah we just kind of brag over like each of us if we have uh, a good grilled cheese sandwich and tomato bisque soup we'll send pictures of it and and that's what both of us like so we just had that for lunch Oh, Special that order. is so that's, sweet. Yeah, so I made I made the kitchen do it. <laughs> it's not on the menu. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So that's right. He insisted, and nobody turns Marcus down. Yeah. So uh, you know, yeah. he, he he got his way and uh, got his wonderful tomato soup and that's so sweet. Open. So you guys so, had yeah. a romantic connection, but but it was <laughs> like he was a gentleman and respectful of the distance and. And said, it's just better to let it go and see other people. Is that right? 
you nailed it. In fact, that's <laughs> one of the many, many things I admire about Marcus is that he is first and foremost a gentleman, but, you know, impeccable manners, um, charming person. He's blushing now. I know he's really, <laughs> <laughs> but, 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 yeah. but, he, but I can he, feel his truly, energy. It's amazing. He's truly focused on doing what's right. And I don't mean just in terms of dating, but in terms of his life and his kids and his obligations. And, you know, when you start getting to know somebody, even if it's in initially in a romantic way, you're sort of deciding if there's chemistry there. And I think there was chemistry there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just don't think it, like at the time it just wasn't going to make sense. And I don't think it was not in both of our best interest at that time. So it was easier, I think, to, you know, agree that this should just be a friendship as opposed to going through some type of agonizing long-term thing that, you know, they don't, they don't usually work out to be honest with you. So Mm -hmm. I just thought that was the better thing to do. Long distance dating is tough and that would have been difficult, but you know, I was definitely attracted to him and, and I just told him today that he reminds me of, in terms of his appearance, he reminds me of a much younger Tom Jones, the the performer, (laughs) Um, you know who Tom Jones is? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, he reminds me of a lot of different actors, but that, but that's one of the things that has come to mind. So there was, you know, there was a chemistry and definitely an attraction and, and it was very uh, appropriate for him to recognize that we needed to extend this relationship, this beginnings of a romantic relationship into a long-term friendship. And that's what mm. it's become. That's so beautiful. I, I'm wondering, did you guys ever kiss or go any further? Marcus? Uh, go any further than what? Kissing. <laughs> if you kiss, did you kiss? Did you kiss on the lips? Yes, we did. Yes, okay. We did. <laughs> okay. Okay. That's all you're getting from me. Oh, that's beautiful. Well, I, that's I did, perfect. I, I'll just go ahead and say it was pretty amazing. Oh, that is so sweet. I love that. <laughs> well, he he said that at the time. Now he's now he's really gonna you know not we don't we don't you know Kate doesn't kiss and tell. So there you go. It has a clean rating. Yeah. That's oh right. yeah, you made sure yeah. I had a clean rating. I know, um, but I think I can change it per episode. So you know, if ever you want to share more, feel free. You can bump up bump up my show ratings. Okay, fair well, enough. We'll you know, leave it at that. What- yeah. Go ahead. Well, I'll just say one more thing about not about Marcus specifically, but the title of the book, Mom, You Just Need to Get Laid, came from something my daughter, not something, that was a statement my daughter threw at me when I was separated. And I did not see myself dating again ever because I've been in a, you know, long marriage that had a disappointing end. Mm-hmm. I certainly didn't see myself kissing anybody. I mean, I just couldn't picture it. Uh, I didn't ever think I didn't even know that I would be attracted to someone my marriage had convinced me that otherwise that I would not be and so it was very difficult to imagine that I could rehabilitate my image of myself to get into any kind of dating relationship and then intimacy forget it it's like I I couldn't picture what the path was to get there from where I was at the time Mm -hmm. And one of the great gifts that Marcus gave me was, and and others that I've described in the book too, made me feel desirable. And that was a phenomenal gift. Oh, 
That is so beautiful. I love that. Look at the gift that you gave her, Marcus. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> we have some great memories. Yeah. Yeah. How long ago was that? Oh, uh, it was it, about two and a half years ago. Okay. Not connected. too bad. Not too long ago. Yeah. Well, let's go back to that story, the backstory of the book title. Tell me about that moment. What was going on? I know a lot of it's in the book, but how did you yeah, feel? happy to share. What, you know, when well, your daughter so, said something and it's very wise of her and profound. Well, at the time it was just sassy. <laughs> I, was my, I, yeah. I, I was living with her in the house in which she was raised and my ex-husband separated at the time had moved out. And she and I were getting on each other's nerves. I don't know if you have children or a daughter, but there's a lot of friction sometimes between yes. teenage yes. daughters and mothers. And that friction really had accelerated because I was in this precarious position of not knowing when my marriage was going to be concluded and it her life felt disrupted. And so she was constantly testing me. And so she had a bunch of friends over on the night in question. And they were occupying my computer chair, which I needed to finish my work at the computer at one in the morning. And I couldn't get her to get up and leave and take her friends to her room. And so I asked her nicely at first. And she said, oh, gosh, mom, you're so bossy. Why are you always telling me what to do? You know, can't you get a life? You know, why don't you enjoy yourself? Why are you always working? And so I persisted and said, whatever you think of my life, I still have to finish this project. I need you to get up. So she reluctantly slid out of the chair. As she's walking out of the room, she turned and looked over her shoulder and she said to me, mom, you know what? You just need to get laid. And mm -hmm. so I was totally shocked. I was blown away because- I, I, well, what I said to her was, no way. Because again, like I said a moment ago, I didn't picture ever dating and the idea of sex was completely off the radar. But going forward after that little brief, and she's laughing, her friends are laughing, and I kind of started laughing too, because it was sort of funny. And what, you know, what 18 year old says this to their mom, I'm sure a lot of them think it, but she said, you know, you need to find somebody to love you before you get too old. And so and then she's <laughs> before you get too old, <laughs> before you get too old. And so then I said, well, you know, I don't think that's in the cards. And she said, well, you know, the other thing that I said, you really should do that. And so I'm still trying to get her off my case. And I said, okay, honey, you're 18. By the time you're 21, I'll promise I'll get that done. And I high-fived her and she left the room. And her friends were just, I think they were mortified because maybe they'd never said that to their mothers or they weren't in the situation my daughter was in, but that's how it happened. And the book itself is relatively PG. There's not, yeah. you know, there's not an explanation of, of, as you asked the question earlier, you know, something that happens that reveals all, you know, all intimate secrets. That's not mm -hmm. what Kate does in, in the book. But um, outside the book is to, another story. Uh, there's a you know a whole other <laughs> <laughs> backdrop, I guess, that could be uh, revealed. But at any rate, it, yeah. it's 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 wonderful to get your life back. You know, when mm. you when you lost it, it's wonderful to get a sense that you can matter, that you can uh, believe in yourself, 
and that other people find something about you that's interesting. It's, it's remarkable, really. Yeah. And did you feel, uh, well, do you feel looking back that your divorce and separation was a gift to your life? Oh, I think Marcus needs to answer that question. Also. <laughs> okay. Yes. Um, I'll, I'll so do it for both of you for sure. Yeah. Different from mine, but oh, okay, I'll answer it to say that I have been asked more than a hundred times how I felt once I got divorced. And my answer was relieved. I didn't mm. grieve it. I didn't miss it. Wow. It had been so traumatic and so difficult and challenging that all I could think was, oh my gosh, I can breathe again. Mm. And so uh, those who have been in marriages that are not just where the love is lost or it's gone, but where there's been abuse and um, addiction and uh, all of it. The, it like, You'll appreciate this. The word is suffocating. Okay. Mm. You know, it's, uh, you know, for you, that you're saying your experience, Marcus. Yeah. It's just, it's a, it's just, you put it into like you were being suffocated and now you can breathe. Wow. That's kind of what it is. You know, it's a, it's a freeing thing. But for me, I was trying to, trying to figure out, uh, what Kate was trying to say. And I think maybe it's the same as me. It said it was a suffocating thing. And uh, to get that, once it's over with, you feel like you can breathe. You can feel like it's, and it's, as you, as, as you go on, it's, uh, you realize it's a necessary thing that had to happen for you to move on and explore the next chapter of your life. And it's going to be different and it's going to be amazing. And uh, that's the way I feel about it. And I think, you know, Kate, you too. Yeah, that's beautifully said. That that really is true. It's the bridge to the next chapter of your life. Mm. People stay in bad marriages for lots of reasons. Yes. Uh, and one of them is that they don't believe there's anything on the other side. They're not mm -hmm. willing to take the risk. Mm -hmm. Right. But if you right. don't take the risk, you, you won't ever you won't ever know. Yeah. Or remember, some people. Thinking, yeah. Just, Go ahead. But I was just saying, I, I just remember being late in my 40s and just, you know, realizing how fragile life is and that I didn't want to leave this world with any regrets. Mm. And I was finding myself kind of regretting my existence. I didn't want it to be that way. So mm -hmm. you know, that's one man's opinion, but that's, uh, that's kind of how I felt. Mm. There's another angle here. You asked about the separation period and the marriage, ending the marriage as a gift. One one aspect of this that weighs heavily on every parent's uh, thoughts, you know, if you have children, Marcus and I both each have children, is what, what will happen to your kids through your separation and divorce? My daughter has a whole new lease on life, too, because I got out of a very toxic relationship. Mm. And she said what she said to me, kidding, because she's that kind of high spirited person. And it, it was funny. And she was she was but she was really serious, I think. And she we talked about it since. 
but she's become a whole new person. She's blossomed in ways that I have been thrilled by because before that, she had to navigate this this very dysfunctional family life, mm. and it it uh, it diminished her. I don't know about your kids, Marcus. Is that similar? Well, I think at the time it's devastating to them. But I think. How old were your kids at the time, Marcus? Um, Of your divorce. I'm doing some math right now. Uh, So they were like from, you know, late teens to early 20s. Mm -hmm. Or late 20s, excuse me. I've got four children. Okay. So. Yeah, they, they all handle it kind of kind of different and kind of the same, to be honest with you. Like, and so I look today at them, and I'm closer with them than I've ever been. And mm. I think that's, um, part, that's, that's part of the win for it. I think they see us, each parent, differently today, um, and they recognize our strengths and our weaknesses. But I just think there's a lot more respect today. And I think... You know, in a, in a kind of a sick way, I think it teaches your kids, you know, to become independent, to think independently and not have to, you know, so marriage is great. It is great. It's what we're all looking for, striving for. But if it's not right, you don't want to teach your kids to say something's wrong. So anyway, I think they kind of benefit from it, to be honest with you, you know, today. not that it doesn't cause trauma or right. whatever, but I, I think, be, I think they'll be better for it in the long run. Well, I think yeah. it's also about living by your, by your values. You know, what I began to realize is that although you sort of stay in a marriage sometimes for your kids, what I was doing was making that environment for my daughter so much worse because what I was showing her was that I was staying in a relationship where I was not treated properly. And mm-hmm. I didn't need her to think that women should do that. I wanted her to see that I could be strong and I could extricate myself from the challenges and that I could do the ultimate big step of moving, leaving a city where she grew up and where I'd lived all my adult life in Texas and moving to New York. On my first birthday after that move, she sent me a text. It was probably the best birthday gift I've ever gotten. And she told me that I was the strongest, bravest person (gasps) that she knew. And that I was her role model. And I cried because I, I didn't know that's how she felt. Mm. Wow. That's amazing. And good for her for sharing that with you. Because I'm sure that gave you strength and encouragement. It did. I didn't know she noticed. I didn't know she understood how complicated the decision was to leave not only the marriage, but certainly lead the community that I had counted on as my sustenance and support for Mm. all my life. Why did you decide to move and and what drew you to New York, Kate? I love New York. I've loved New York since I was a kid. I love theater. I did did some theater when I was younger um, and I would go to do Broadway any chance I got. I also love the, the energy of New York. I love the the stays up all night 24-7 aspect of New mm, York. I love mm-hmm. the sophistication of New York. I love the diversity of people and opinion. And you can hear six accents standing on the street corner ready to cross the street. So all of that was, was appealing. 
I had been to New York also for work, and I had been there, as I mentioned, as a tourist. And then my daughter in eighth grade had decided she wanted to go to boarding school far, far, far away from home. She didn't want to be in this environment that I've already described. So she ended up outside of New York. So I was going to New York every six weeks. Ah. Oh, and you loved it. So it it seemed like a natural thing. And And she loved that her mother was in New York and she could visit me there because she knew the city and she knew what it meant to her as well. And so it was a natural thing. But it was still a huge leap. I had to reinvent myself in terms of work. I had to meet all new friends. I had to find a way to, you know, live there. Uh, it's a very expensive, you know, very expensive decision. And and yet it was the best thing. It freed me. It gave me a whole new life. Mm. And then for for Marcus, so what brought you to Texas? Do you have family there? Is that part of where you grew up? No, I have a very similar story. So I'm a uh, I'm a California kid. Oh, where did you grow up in California? In Orange County. Okay. And uh, work brought me to Texas. Oh, okay. And I knew I knew nobody. I had no no relationships, no acquaintances. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was quite a quite a leap. But um, I've been here since 2015, I think, and uh, I love it. It's home now. Mm. Wonderful. But I get to go back to California and visit my kids and do my favorite things there. So. Yeah, you still get to have a, a piece of that. And you miss the Definitely. ocean sometimes. Miss I miss the... all of it. So the, yeah. the weather, I would tell everybody the weather is what I miss the most. Okay. And then uh, just my kids and friends and activities and food and so it's <laughs> That's just, a pretty long list it's pretty good <laughs> yeah I, I go back about every i go back about once a month or so once every other month and it yeah. satisfies my satisfies my needs yeah oh and wonderful go ahead kate seriously the the daughter that the my one daughter that told me to get laid is now in los angeles <laughs> <laughs> so she's interesting in california yeah she she moved there during covid Ah, okay. Okay. Well, a lot of people moved to the places of their dreams during COVID. That was kind of interesting. I wonder how dating was during COVID. Did you guys date during COVID other people? Oh, gosh. Well, you know, I I will tell you that New York changed dramatically during COVID as every other big city. Yeah, the big cities changed. Yeah. Such a, such a vertical living experience. And the way you date in New York is you go to the wine bar around the corner or you go to meet at a restaurant or you go to a show or, or and all so much of that was shut down. So it made it much, much more difficult. And people are more isolated there in a sense. You can live in a big building, which I did. There were a thousand people that lived in my, you know, my New York building when I first moved in. And the building vacated in half during COVID. It's it's filled back up again, but it, it's a really kind of scary experience to be in a place where not only do you not feel like you can venture out and meet new people, but you're hunkered down just daily existence. Yeah. And so dating became very problematic for people. All went, everything went virtual, and that that's what happened. Makes you question why people were even on there dating and being active. Exactly. That's it. Right. Yeah. 
So, so how was it? Oh my God. I'm so fascinated because I didn't, I haven't talked to anyone who dated during COVID. Like, did people only want to zoom was like that your date? (laughs) I was like, so curious. Not, not not everybody, but majority were were not willing to meet in person. Yeah. um, But they were willing to talk, uh, you know, FaceTime or something like that to try to get to know you better. Yeah. And then they're oh, like, yeah. when this is all over, then maybe we can meet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe. New York uh, has open spaces, so people would oh, got suggest, it. let's go for a walk in Central Park. Oh, okay. Let's, That's great. Yeah, and, and, and I think New York City was the first place post the first year of COVID to move dining outside. So there were, there still are today, but dining sheds where people would feel safer, which is silly because you're still enclosed. They were building <laughs> sheds almost like it was a, an addition to the restaurant. But yeah. that was what everybody felt comfortable doing. And you could get drinks on the street. You know, you could walk down the street, go from shed to shed, and you could have a, a walking dating experience holding oh. your margarita or whatever. Oh. And that's odd too. The whole, the whole uh, construct of dating where you go somewhere indoors and you sit there for hours. It just dissipated with the COVID, you know, the the big serious COVID period, which in New York city has been two years, Mm. I I guess here as well. I don't know. Your experience in Texas might've been different than mine. I I just, no, I mean, it was, it's way different than it was in New York. Yeah, I think so. It was way different, right? But I just think it was just unique that people were willing to FaceTime and try to get to know you, and would they eventually want to meet? Or would they just like, you know, like, what are, what are you doing? Yeah. What are you even <laughs> on here for? Right, yeah. that is the point. Like, what are you yeah, doing? Yeah. Like, are we gonna have a FaceTime relationship? Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Well, you know, I, I, did, I did know a number of people that quickly moved in with someone they barely knew. Because yes. they wanted to have a, a COVID buddy. Wow. For that period and that either accelerated relationships or kill them mm-hmm. when COVID was over there were a lot of you know attempts for quickie divorces there were all kinds of relationship uh frailties that were exposed during COVID because it was 24 7 with someone mm-hmm. yeah and i, I have York, a friend again, that, that happened to in la they there was someone there when they did the shutdowns and it was like i don't know maybe they've been dating like a couple weeks and they just like live together <laughs> for the next year. Yeah. Anyway, then, you know it, it might be fun for initially, yeah. but yeah. if you're if you're not, if you don't already know that person, you've signed on for a lot of uh, you know scary stuff. You you have a thought, Marcus. As we get older, we all appreciate our uh, what uh, sometimes just a little bit of independence. Hmm. Yeah. So if you don't have that, really, you know, it's, it can get uh, it can spiral out of control quick. Yeah. Well, also New York is famous for small spaces, mm-hmm. so you don't have the ability to, you know, get away from if you feel smothered, which is your word earlier. Yeah. You, you don't have a way to unsmother yourself. That's You're in a true. very tiny space. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It makes it much tougher. Yeah, but what you survive. It? You're still there in New York, huh? Yeah, yeah, we amazing we made it. Well, you know, one of the other t- topics that Marcus and I were talking about over our grilled cheese and uh, tomato soup lunch earlier is that 
a lot of people get into dating and they don't even know why. You know, they don't know what they're looking for. Yeah. They don't, they, they don't have a, have a goal a or whatever. Yeah. No, um, you were just saying Marcus today that you, you have experienced that on a number of occasions. Well, there's, there's just, yeah, there's just different people are out there for different reasons. They have different agendas, both men and women. So, you know, some are on multiple sites and some are doing multiple dating and some are addicted to it. Meaning this, like if they're, if they find somebody and they start going on dates, they're still looking back on their uh, online profile to see who's looking at them or see if there's something better out there. I have to tell you, it's crazy. I have to tell you, I met my husband online. So confession, I met him uh, when it was Yahoo personals was around, but I was that person when I was, I was just crazy. I was going on multiple dates. I could have written a book like this. (laughs) <laughs> but, but anyway, but one of the things I found is that some, some of the people would not want to meet with just like cycle conversations. And I'd realize, oh my God, they just want to hide or connect like, but still keep their distance. And then some people I would meet and they'd want a relationship right away. And, and that happened to my husband too. And that was weird too. I'm just like, you want to be my girlfriend? Like what? So it was just interesting, the whole online experience. And there was psychos, there was crazy people, just, just everything. But, um, but I, I just do find it interesting because I, I treated it like a job really. And I was just going to date to date, multiple dates a day. And, uh, but I found, okay, so I'll get to the bottom of it. I found that my husband that I'm married to now, I found him still online dating when I thought we were exclusive and I broke up with him. And then what happened? <laughs> and then what happened? Well, he was like, <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm like, I'm done with you. And then like, I don't know, like eight months later, um, like I called him, what are you doing? And he was in Mexico and he's like, I love you. I want to be with you. So that was, that was the end. And then I was like, okay, yeah. If you want to get married and have kids and we can get back together. <laughs> I'm all bitter. Well, you know, <laughs> one, of anyway. the, one of the aspects of this uh, invisibility when you're dating online, because you don't really know what the other person's doing. You may not even have their That's last true. name. You may not know where they live. There's so many pieces of information that, that are not there when you see a picture. Mm-hmm. But one of the references we made earlier that I think is, is the biggest problem of all is what I said about people who don't know what their agenda is today. Yeah. And I was really clear when I got to New York, my agenda was to build community and to meet people that I could be interested in. And I don't mean necessarily romantically, just interested in period, because when I get to know somebody, I really want to know their story. You know, Mm -hmm. I want to know what makes them tick. I want to know. um, You're such an author. Oh my God. You're amazing. Yes. You want to know everything. It's fun for me to, to, to build community by investing in other people. That's Mm -hmm. the, that's the best and most authentic way to do it. I believe in connection, legitimate connections, whether it's in business, which is a, another project I'm working on the book for that purpose, but also in dating. I think people that are insincere, Marcus has already referenced this, um, they just waste our time. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And go back to your, your story too, Marcus. Like I, I interrupted you with my own story when you were talking about dating online. Yeah. Well, I don't remember exactly what I was talking about, but I'll tell you that uh, in what you said earlier, um, it, it's, it's, uh, they make it difficult to get off the sites and like that's true where you're not, do you know that? Right. So even though I actually, I didn't know that I didn't know that, but yeah, that makes sense. But it's the truth. So even though you cancel your account, you go through all the steps, you're still visible because they want your picture on their sites. So So they have more people or something. Yeah, Yeah. I think so. Yeah, I think, but it makes it really, really difficult to, uh, you know, get off there. So in his defense. <laughs> oh, yeah. I know. Yeah. Hey, I gave him another chance. We're married with two kids. So. Good for you. That's fantastic. <laughs> I love, I love the happy ever. Happy yeah, ever I'm sure you do. Yeah. Well, and but I don't know. Did, like, did, did, uh, girls used to always ask for my, uh, they want my full name. Okay. And then I was like, they're doing like a background check. They're like, yeah. And I go, I wonder how come I'm not asking for your, all your credentials. Maybe. You yeah. Know, like, oh my of, God. It's so weird. I never thought come, to how do come that. You guys are asking for my credentials, but I'm not asking for yours. Cause it's about trust and faith and you know, uh, yeah. go, go find out and see. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. But I have to tell you another interesting story as, um, so I was like going crazy, like I said, crazy dater, just like, okay, I'm on a mission, you know, find my man. And, um, and then, so my roommate at the time was single, but she didn't, she was too scared to go, uh, start a profile <laughs> on the dating sites. So she messaged this guy that she was interested in. And I, it wasn't me. And then now they're married because of my profile. Whoa, <laughs> Isn't that awesome? Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, you never know. There's good people out there like you guys. Well, you know, the other, I just thought of something, but it was part of the Marcus story initially. And it's also in the chapter in the book. After Marcus and I had gone through two months of flirting. In fact, there was so much text flirting that at one point I said, please call me. I just want to hear your voice because I, I, I wanted to know what he sounded like. He's got a great voice and so he left me a voicemail. You want to make sure it sound like Minnie Mouse. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, we, we, we exchanged voicemails for each other. That's how this, and then we did speak on the phone. But we kept texting in anticipation of this final meeting, and we're going to get this opportunity to go see each other in person. And before we did, I think like even just a couple of days before we were to meet, Marcus sent me a text, and he said, do you ever wonder if your anticipation of meeting someone is greater than the event. You know, in other words, yes. you know, could you, could you imagine that you built this person up in your mind and then you meet them, you're going to be devastated because they're not who you think they are. And we both had that fear that, Oh my gosh, she's, you know, how can somebody be as flirty and interesting as Marcus, but he was in person, but you know, a lot of times you would be disappointed. Because you've been disappointed. Yeah, yeah. You, but because you remember so that. Much, absolutely. Because that's the that's the story. Is there's so much? I don't know what you call it. Fraud out there. Yeah, that, yeah. You know, when you post when you post the pictures, are they really you? Are you really? Are you 
six foot three or are you five foot three? And you this was a typo. You know what I mean? There was silly, silly things going on to where you every time you go on a date, you're like, I don't know what I'm gonna find on this date. Like I have no idea. And then vice versa. Well, you know? I, I do think that you have to back to your experience, Carissa, you have to go out with enough people to understand that you are really searching for, you know, the the gold amidst the rocks, because there are a lot of people that are on the sites for reasons that are not as savory as what you'd like. Mm -hmm. And I think you have to have a sense of humor. One of the reasons I wrote the book was because I had two women who thought my stories were so unusual and different that they wanted me to share them for the purpose of encouraging people to do this. But you do have to treat it like a job. I I sort of, I I agree with you. That was my (laughs) approach. And I, I really did feel like that I was doing this to, for my own self-confidence, mm-hmm. which uh, it, it, after that long marriage, it needed the bolstering. Uh, but additionally, as, at the conclusion of the process of writing the stories and then deciding I was going to work through the publishing and the audiobook and all that, it's like I want to encourage people to believe in themselves. That's really what it comes down to. If you say no to dating and you really would like to be in a relationship, you don't believe that there is a possibility that something good can happen. And I, I'm an optimist, but I'm also a realist, but I believe something good can happen and we are responsible for making good things happen in our lives. Nobody's going to make it for us. We yeah. are, we are the, we are the ones who take ownership of our lives. Yeah. And that includes dating. Yeah. That's amazing. So how did you guys stay friends after not dating? Well, we both started to answer. Go ahead, Marcus. Um, you know, there's a there's just a connection between mm. Kate and I. Um, I know. I feel that. I feel that. Yeah, so there's wonderful. a connection, and then, you know, sometimes it's just a better it's a better situation. And I just she's a she's one of my best friends. And oh. I think it's because we, I think we can talk and have intimacy and transparency and like all these conversations without you know, the fear of anything romantic getting in, in the way or involved. So it just allows us to kind of have the open books. And if you haven't figured it out, she's a great interviewer. So oh, yeah. Dynamite. She's Gosh. A, she's <laughs> a blast. She's, I, 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 I tell her all the time, she's a blast to be around. It's, it's actually, it's enjoyable to be with her because she asks you questions about your life and what's going on and He's truly, uh, so, you know, there's, there's a few people, just few people in the world that will take the time out to get, you know, want to, want to get to know you and keep, keep getting to know you. So that's, that's who she is to me. Well, Marcus is a fascinating person to know, and he is an open book about his feelings, about his hopes and dreams, about his challenges. And that's what an intimate conversation really is. If you are not willing to participate, then you can only go so far in getting to know someone and being supportive of them. We've been through, I already can say, we've been through some things together, you know, in the sense of um, there have been a lot of changes in his and my life since 2019. And I'm so thrilled when I get to come back to Texas and see him. Mm. And I always, we, we don't always make it work, but, but there are it's a priority. Yeah, it is. It is. That's a great way to say it. It has been a priority. priority I, I always let him know when I'm coming back to Texas and usually it works. So mm. we've been 
we've been in each other's lives for a good two and a half years, but but I see it going on for a long, long time. Yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, it's been such a pleasure getting to know you both, meeting Marcus, and hearing about your incredible book, Mom. You just need to get laid. Everybody, go out and get the book, and I'll put the website and how to buy your book, Kate, in the show notes. So, thank you both for being on my show today. Thank you so much, Carissa. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. That's it for today's episode of Zen Success. Head on over to iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you listen to shows. Zen Success is also available on the radio in select markets through amfm247.com. Subscribe to the show and share with friends. Be sure to head on over to zensuccessshow.com to help you on your Zen Success journey and join us on the next episode. May you find your own Zen Success in life.
That's it for today's episode of Zen Success. Head on over to iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you listen to shows. Zen Success is also available on the radio in select markets through amfm247.com. Subscribe to the show and share with friends. Be sure to head on over to zensuccessshow.com to help you on your Zen Success journey. And join us on the next episode. May you find your own Zen success in life.